0: On the Empire Podcast this week, we follow the star of... It follows Micah Munro into our pod booth and then interview her. Plus, we take Pete's car, we drive over to mum's, we go in, take care of Bill Nye, then we grab mum, we go over to Liz's place, hole up, have a cup of tea and wait for this whole thing to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried pod? Hello, pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Empire Podcast, the only movie podcast that will meet your needs in every department and which won't ask you to sign a contract beforehand. This week's safe word, just in case things get a little bit too hairy, Event Horizon. This week's safe word again, Event Horizon. Anyway, this week I'm joined by two of uh, our most heroic and noble colleagues who have been inspired by this week's story that Neil Blomkamp uh, is going to direct a new Alien movie which was given a green light after he released concept art on the Instagram about a month and a half ago and then this got given the green light uh, last night. So they've been doing the same. Uh, First up is our art house guru, Phil and who's currently beavering away on storyboards for Fitzcarraldo 2, We're Gonna Need a Bigger Boat, in which Nastasia Kinski drags a yacht over a bumpy hill. Phil, I'm excited about this. Are you excited about this? Going well,
1: Chris, so far. Yeah. I'm hearing we not. We don't have the budget for for a hill. <laughs> so <clears throat> it's more of a slight slope. A slight and, when <laughs> and when I say boat, it's more of a, more of a dinghy. <laughs> but otherwise it came well.
0: Dragging a dinghy over a slight slope. Yes. I'd love to see that film. Uh, Next up is our geek queen who's working hard on concept art for Supernatural, the movie. Uh, Helen O'Hara, all you seem to have done so far is draw Jensen Ackles with his top off. And and what's he doing to Jared... I'm just going to Google this. Jared Padalecki. What's he doing? What are they doing? These people, they don't sound like people. They sound like...
2: No, they're not people. I actually, I actually don't believe in either of those people, Chris, <laughs> as we've established before. Um, but they do bear an uncanny resemblance, I will say, to Dean and Sam Winchester.
0: Oh uh, yes, in whom I do yes. believe. And which one's going to top off in your uh, concert art? <laughs> Why is he going to stop off? What's happening? He's, he's rescuing.
2: He's just really warm, you know. And it got it got a stain on it. I don't know. It was horrible. What sort of stain? Event Horizon.
0: Event (laughs) Horizon. Uh, Right, let's have some questions now. You guys have been sent them in uh, via Twitter all week. Uh, We're on a bit of an Oscar tip this week because uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, then the Oscars take place on Sunday. If you're listening to this on Monday, then commiserations to everyone who wasn't Julianne Moore. Let's have some questions. From the first one, at WTB, Alex, this sounds like a first-time questioner to me. If you want an Oscar statuette... (laughs) (laughs) If you want an Oscar statuette... Where would you keep it? Uh, brackets, I would fix it to my car bonnet as a hood ornament <laughs> if I had a car.
2: Oh, that's so sad. That's a pretty awesome idea, actually. I mean, <laughs> let everybody know you're coming, you know, with your Oscar. Uh, in a similar, actually, vein, I'd be tempted to do a sort of the 80s Beastie Boys. You remember, they used to take <laughs> car hood ornaments and wear them around your Just wear it as like, yeah. Yeah, wear it around your neck. I mean... Mm. Up front about it. I won an Oscar. There's no false modesty here. There's no <laughs> modesty at all. You I would won win an Oscar.
0: Every single argument. I always imagine anyone who wins an, an Oscar goes into whatever meetings to do for the next two weeks. And if anyone you know complains or disagrees, mm-hmm. boom, yes. bam, the Oscar
1: goes next yeah. to the yeah. They'd like going. to see you. Like Steven
2: Spielberg in Austin Powers 3.
1: Precisely. Exactly. I would like to see you at a party with Flavour Flav where he's got his <laughs> clock, you've got your Oscar.
2: <laughs> yeah. There'd be clanking. He can tell
1: the time. You can just win things be, be you know, great stuff be humble bragging 24-7
2: They're no humble no humble
1: I'm wearing my. what are you wearing <laughs> I'm wearing Oscar an Oscar I don't really have an answer to this one but I did find something interesting about the Oscar which mm-hmm. is that you know that the, the, it sits on the, it stands on the on the um, cine reel yep with five spokes okay one of those old fashioned celluloid reels and the five spokes represent the five five arms of the filmmaking process no way yeah Dude. What are Yeah, items? I can't remember. <laughs> no, they're um, actors, producers, directors, wizards, fluffers. No, fluffers. Sorry, that's a different. Event sentence. horizon. Event horizon. <laughs> <laughs> Technicians, uh, dealer, de- dealers. Dealers. <laughs> no, writers. What? Writers. Writers. Okay. Writers. Seems they're like dealers. Yeah, yeah the, the, the word they deal thoughts and ideas. I've got some words. Do you want <laughs> six grams of words? I've got an eight ball of grammar. We don't know what any of that stuff means. No. Again, I, 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 I,
0: I that. cannot condone any of Phil's references at this moment in time. Uh, I, I know what I would do with mine.
2: What's that?
0: Which I would obviously win um, for something awesome. I would go around Kevin O'Connell's house. Aww. Kevin O'Connell, if you listened to the podcast a few weeks ago, is the man who currently holds the record for most number of Oscar nominations without a win. Uh, is it 20? 18. 18? Hasn't been nominated since uh, 2007. I would go round his house and I would taunt him mercilessly with it.
2: <laughs> We're going to hand it over like no. a, like
0: a mensch, but no, 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 no. no. I would let I would let him get ever so close to touching it, and then I would just pull it away at the last minute,
1: and the Oscar as well. If
0: you ever the came mentorizer. close to winning
1: an Oscar, I would Kanye the shit out of it. I would come up on stage and I would say, "Chris does not deserve this. I would give it to anyone else."
2: I'ma let you finish, but
1: <laughs> I wouldn't let him finish. I wouldn't let him start. I'ma I'm let
0: you finish, uh, but David Spade is the greatest <laughs> comedy actor of all time, and he deserves this.
1: Is that what you would say? uh I no, I would just probably hit you. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, Chris, I'd be delighted, I we but I wouldn't. Friends. I don't usually you should taunt this man. I feel he must no, feel I'm a bit would, like. Of course, I wouldn't. That's relentless him. number of times he's got his hopes up and then had them dashed.
2: Maybe by the last time he he just wasn't getting his hopes up at all. You know, maybe he was just going on like having a nice party carpet. and.
0: Can you imagine if he went, he actually did win the next time he gets nominated. He just gets blazingly drunk now because he thinks I'm not going to win and he just takes to this podium hey! and just embarks upon a diatribe this is, how, people, yeah.
1: <laughs> this is how
0: terrible speeches happen That
2: would be an amazing idea that would that would
0: be be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a mantle right. I would keep it next to the only other award I've ever won I won something a few years ago uh, and it's, it's on uh, like my DVD shelf in my house and I would keep it next to that and it would make the other thing look like shit
2: it really would. It yeah. would.
0: Yeah. But let's be honest, none of us. You <laughs> might, Helen. Aww. Honestly, you might win an Oscar.
2: What do you think I'd win it for?
0: Costume design.
2: Well, that's true. I am famously stylish. That
0: is a pretty damn good costume you've drawn there on Sam or Dean Winchester. It just seems to be a thong, but it's a pretty good one.
2: It's a well-designed one, right? It's keeping everything where it needs to be. What
0: would you What would you like to win an Oscar for? Um. Best animated short.
2: Best animated that would be good actually. Best animated short,
0: yeah. All right, okay, it's settled. <laughs> Next year then. Um, this is another. It's a question. We kind of did this one last year, but I just want to throw it out, you guys, and see if you you know have sure. anything new. Um, it's from at revolutionary uh, who asks, what new category would you most like to see added? Egg,
1: stunts, mocap, performance.
2: Best podcast, because then we'd have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Not much of a chance. Yeah, you say that. Or any chance, <laughs> you really. say that. Okay, fine.
1: Um, how big would the catch crew need to be? <laughs> it
2: would be a strange choice. Best film podcast made by Empire.
0: I'm not even sure we'd be in with a shout then, to be honest. Uh, that would be a weird one. Uh, and now, please welcome. You've had best actor, best movie podcast. It would seem a bit out of place with the rest of the night.
2: No, nope, I completely think that's a seriously good idea.
0: We'd be in that montage of all the techie ones that are usually hosted by <laughs> Jessica Alba. You know, yeah, yeah.
1: or or Leone, someone like that.
2: Oh, like you wouldn't like to go to the Oscars hosted by Jessica Alba. Come on, Chris.
0: Have you accepted me?
1: <laughs> I asked Bruce Robinson about his experience with which film would it have been? He was Oscar nominated for. Was it The Killing Fields? Yes. It probably wasn't with Nolan. I no. was it. Killing Fields, and he and he said he said they put you they put you in on in the at the end of the row if you're going to win, in the middle if if you got no chance. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, where did you <laughs> okay. sit? And he said, right in the middle, <laughs> we would be in the broom cupboard downstairs <laughs> with, with a double best robot. Best robot. Well, this has gone as well as I expected. Best craft. We were talking about this quite recently in the office, <coughs> weren't we? Maybe best craft services. Because I'm really intrigued by food and food on set, on set I, food. And what's, it's good, often very good. It is often very good. It's often also
0: absolute swill, but uh, army marches in the stomach and all that. Uh, Last question is from at Rohan underscore go to bed, Event Horizon, uh, who says, who is your favourite Oscar, actor, director or any characters with that name, Not Picky?
2: It's Oscar Isaac for me. I'm, I'm sorry to be boring and obvious, but it it
0: Ugh. it really
2: is. I, I, I did that uh, video interview with him for Inside Lou and Dave, and, and if you actually look at that video, you can actually see my eyes turn into little heart shapes like in a cartoon <laughs> halfway through. It's, it's quite embarrassing. Sh- whoop, whoo. <laughs> yes, but luckily they cut that bit out, <laughs> thankfully. So yes, uh, he's a great Oscar. Who doesn't mm. love him?
0: He's a great Oscar. Where would you put him? <laughs> That's probably a leading oh question.
2: Jeez, <laughs> geez,
0: what? Would you put them on your mantelpiece? Would you?
2: Oh, I see. Where would you put him on
0: display in your house?
2: I see, I see. Um, well, to be honest, if I had Oscar Isaac in my house again, I'd want everyone to know about it. So mm-hmm. he'd be he'd be in the living room, probably.
1: Strapped to the front wall, presumably. <laughs> If you want everyone to see him, because otherwise you have to yeah, invite them true. all in. Yeah, I'd have house. to
2: invite them all in, wouldn't I? Well, he could answer the door like a butler.
1: <laughs> Dressed in just a bow tie.
0: <laughs> so, what is it
2: with you and the male nudity today, Chris? Jeez.
0: I'll put my jumper on, all right, for God's sake. <laughs> um, if I had Oscar Isaac, I would do what WTB Alex does and just strap him to the front of my car and just drive around. Why is it, Why people would say to me, why do you have a terrified Oscar Isaac on the front of your car? I go, there you go. Just just happened.
1: It's an, an apocalypse uh, Phil who's your favourite Oscar? <sighs> it's not really a film thing but I guess Oscar the Grouch Gook go- Because call. finally parents that aren't afraid to give their child the name the middle name The <laughs> <laughs> Oh
2: I don't know Drax's parents Ronan's parents Okay
1: mm-hmm. But Oscar the Grouch was first
2: Yeah
1: true um, Yeah Oscar the Grouch Also I guess Fruitvale Station was quite good and he's a real life character Oscar Grand Okay
0: uh, Oscar series, for me so. Odd Couple for me if you want to have your question read out on the Empire Podcast and after that nonsense, why wouldn't you? You can send in your questions via Twitter. We're at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Empire Podcast. You can Facebook us, Empire uh, Magazines, where we are on Facebook. And you can email us, podcast at empireonline.com. Okay, time now for our first interview. Micah Monroe clearly has a thing for being chased by unstoppable killing machines, so she's come to the right place. Uh, she made an impact doing that very thing with Empire's spirit animal Dan Stevens in last year's The Guest. And she's at it again in next week's excellent It Follows, a horror film in which she's chased by a murderous spirit that's passed on to her, or infected, if you will, after she has sex. <gasps> the, the Strumpet. Uh, rubber up, kids. Mon- not for this interview, but uh, just in general. Be safe. Monroe popped into the pod booth this week to talk to Phil and myself. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was the most partridge thing ever. <laughs> this <is> so earnest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry, Ali. Sorry, Ali. I just lost it because I can see Phil losing it. <laughs> Uh, we're delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast by the star of It Follows, Michael Monroe. Hello, how are you?
3: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am very, very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming in. On a long press tour for this one, we were just talking about it. You started last year.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's, last year, May. Okay. In Cannes, Yeah. So it feels like, feels like it's been a very long time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it must feel in a way like you're almost in the movie, but instead of being chased by some sort of sex creature, you're being chased by... Uh, the same question over yes. and over again
3: uh, yes that's that's correct <laughs> yeah.
0: and it's just always there yeah, always what there waiting to the film
3: yes so yes <laughs> <It> just,
0: <laughs> just
3: just just, just like yep. out of grasp uh-huh.
0: Uh what question have you been asked most
3: oh gosh Probably what attracted me to the film. Why That's, you know why? W- what I first thought when I read the script. Uh-huh. That's kind of the the most common one, and usually the interview starts with that question.
0: Okay, well, which we'll, makes sense. We'll try and make it the fourth or fifth question. Yeah,
3: just throw that in. one down. A yeah. few. that would be great.
0: Have yeah. your answers changed over the
3: years? <laughs> over
0: over the years. Over the years, it has <laughs> <It laughs> been when years. You started, when you started like promoting it. this film in twenty twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. Two years
0: uh, before we started making. Yeah. Has has it changed, or do you, you know, is, I it, mean, is it difficult not to just give the same answer all the time? I
3: guess. Yeah, I mean, I try and you know vary it up a little bit and, okay. and this and that, but overall, usually I have somewhat of the same response because <laughs> it's you know my aunt's. It's answer. the truth. It's, it's the, the truth. truth yeah. And it's, yeah. Okay. Do you, <laughs>
1: as you you know, your career develops and you've done more and more films, do you does the way you read a script change slightly? Do you sort of for, I'm just thinking there are scenes in this film, like there were in *The Guest*, mm-hmm. that are, that are, look really grueling and arduous. I mean, being chained to things yeah, and yeah. you know night shoots and yeah, yeah. Y- as you get more experience do you read the script and think oh okay yeah. oh you are do.
3: so spot on yes yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> to- i mean it's funny because reading it follows i'm like oh this is awesome this is gonna be great and then i get there and i realize like holy shit like i i actually have to physically and mentally go through this and i you, you're not really thinking when you read that so now oh yeah 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 i'm reading it like oh don't want to do that. I've got to be, you know, in a pool for, you know, a massive scene. No, I don't want to do that because I know what that's like. Yeah. Um, so, so definitely. Oh yeah, t- I'm paying attention to that now for sure.
1: Ignorance is ignorance, I guess, is bliss, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah,
3: something like that. Yeah. We I
1: mean, we don't want to. Give very much away. we I mean, we love this movie. Yeah. It's really, really fantastic. We don't want to give too much away yeah. to ruin it for people. But yeah. let's just say that there are only presumably about three or four pages of script where you're not at a peak of sheer <laughs> psychological exhaustion. Yeah. Those must have been the fun days on set though.
3: Yeah, the fun days on yeah, was. yeah, there was yeah, probably about God it was yeah, very few pages that that were not like super incredibly intense. Um you know, screaming and and running and stuff like that. It was quite nice, yeah. I don't really even remember those
1: though,
3: <laughs> with everything else. The
0: happy times. Yeah, the happy before times. the dark times. So, what attracted you to the project?
3: <laughs> Good one. Well, I I uh, I read the script and thought it was incredibly odd. I saw *Myth of American Sleep* over the the director's first film, and mm-hmm. um, it's so you know, weirdly brilliant and amazing and so, so different. And I just thought, you know, you have that kind of dreamlike, hazy feel and you throw a horror movie into that. Um, I thought it would be uh, really interesting. And and I think the the director is incredibly talented and I I really wanted to work with him.
1: We should put just a tiny bit of... Context. Context. I
3: can give a little something. Oh, if you could. Oh, oh yeah. You no, I wish give, it. You'd give. Leave it. this to me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm to leave that. Please, I want to hear. Go ahead.
1: So there's some people, and they live in like it's in America, right?
3: It's in America. Okay. Yeah. And good, then good. some
1: things, and then the demons.
3: Yeah. The and demons. A demon. It's a sort of a demon. A demon.
1: demon. Goblin, okay. some <laughs> form of sex goblin. I was hiding for quite a lot of it. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm hazy. Maybe you should take the reins on this one.
3: <laughs> All
0: right. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give Not it. Not you. Then, mm-hmm. No, I'll, I'll give it
1: a crack. And then I'll, like it. I'll
3: yeah. come in. With him. Him.
0: So there's um, you, you. You. You play. A, a lady. Oh, I do. And uh, you do the naughty thing with a man. Yes. Okay. British, so we have to be very British about yeah. this sort of stuff. V-
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: then as happens, uh, as should happen to everyone who does the naughty uh-huh. thing, you are pursued by a sex creature. <laughs> uh, that's basically my take on it. Uh, who yeah, sure, punishes sure, yeah. you, wants to punish you by killing you. By
3: killing um, you, yeah.
0: And then you're chased by a succession of, it takes different forms, Forms, forms
3: yeah.
0: and so there's a tall sex creature and then there's Giant, a yeah. yeah there's a an old lady and stuff yeah but yeah. you probably can sell it but no <laughs> i think that's <laughs> yeah. kind
3: of yeah i mean there's i to quote that. yeah, I would, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> god that's great we should tell david get that there um yeah i mean that's yeah, that's pretty that's
0: pretty, pretty much spot on I would, pretty, I would say pretty
3: good pretty spot on yeah um,
0: but it what the film does I, I think phil and i both loved is it has this just feeling right from the off and uh, in and the, in the sort of the, the the jaws opening, if you will, with yes. the character who's not you. Uh, there's this feeling of just inescapable dread. Yes. that something is going to get you, and yes. that's obviously the situation your character is in, where she's aware that this thing is coming after her, mm-hmm. and it will never stop, and it can't be stopped. Yeah. Um, it's such a tricky headspace to put yourself in. It's not something yes. you can really go method on. <laughs> no, did,
3: you can't. So
0: how did you, you go really. about doing that?
3: Um, Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's difficult because I've never um, really experienced those things. <laughs> That's me knocking on wood. <laughs> That's no <word>. yeah. <laughs> not <sure> wood. it's <laughs> Well, be I'm just pretending <laughs> that it this is. Yes, Michael. definitely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, looks like it. Um, plastic version. But uh, yeah. So it's. I mean, at least for me, because I, I want to make it as as real as possible. I think for for horror movies, you have to to make it at all believable. Yeah, you, ha- you have to have the performance hopefully somewhat grounded um Mm. so for me i'm just i'm using you know my own my own personal kind of darker spaces things that that can bring me to those those places um quite easy and then of course you know half of it is the imagination and and um kind of living in that which is not enjoyable to live in that (laughs) (laughs) at all so um yeah
1: before these things start to unfold, but before she does the naughty thing, <clears throat> why am I saying that? Before she has sex with this guy, <laughs> they go on a date and they go they they're queuing to see a film. Yeah, I think they're, they're seeing Sherrod.
3: Yeah, something like that. I yeah. thought it was
1: really interesting that they're going to see, you know, which one? Okay, maybe that's yeah, a character that's, detail that's, too far. Yeah, that,
3: that's a question for David <laughs> because he has so many odd little yeah. things, the little details that that um, people start noticing throughout the film that are just so odd. Yeah. But kind of amazing.
1: It's nice. It must be nice though for you for your character because she has this game that she plays with with her mm-hmm. date who yeah. turns out to be a lot more than she bargained <laughs> for, obviously. Where it's like you have to guess uh-huh. what the, who the other person would be if they weren't themselves yeah. in in nice shot. Yeah, and and then why?
3: I think it's a great game. If you've like, ever it you've it, so much fun. Have you I haven't. Played, you sh- oh, Okay. I, but but I would like to. <laughs> yeah, i I've, I've actually forgotten about it until you reminded me now. Yeah, it's give a it a game. go. Yeah, it's a really clever.
1: I thought, that, yeah, yeah, that's really interesting because yeah. it tells a lot about
3: yeah. someone. Yeah, And then, and then yeah. he
1: goes, "I'd like to be that child," yeah. and then you work out why he says that. Yeah. quite
3: quickly. Yeah, quite um, quickly. Why he wants to be a kid again? Yeah, to reverse time. Yeah, mm,
1: absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the last time we saw you mm-hmm. was in the guests. Yes. a film. We absolutely adore it as yeah. well. Uh, what is it about you and being chased by unstoppable killing machines? Is this
3: yeah.
0: is this just coincidence, or <laughs> is this something you said your agent? right i want to be chased i want to be (laughs)
3: chased by yes no mm -mm. um i i it was just i mean by total chance Mm. i i read the guest and and saw adam's work and i was like i need to do this and i fought for that role and i wanted i wanted it so badly and then it was kind of the same with it follows i just thought the character was so interesting and challenging and Mm -hmm. and um just such a cool director and kind of something you know super unique that that people haven't really seen in a horror movie um so it, it it's for me it's i can't I, i'm not going to be like oh i don't want to do i don't want to do any more horror I, I mean who who knows what happens for me I, I if i'm getting good scripts and characters then i i want to do it and i'll fight for those roles so mm. um yeah but it was just by chance that, 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 that these came back to back
0: and you read this one while you were Doing yeah guests, well i I,
3: right. I set my audition tape while i was on the on the guest on the set of the guests pretty sure like in my trailer um we just filmed the the couple of scenes for um for the audition for it follows mm. yeah
0: <laughs> it's amazing though because we, we absolutely um love both these films uh, 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 as i said and uh, dan stevens is someone who we adopted as a kind of spirit animal
3: i think that's in a way fucking great after <laughs> that's after great. the guests, yes uh
0: he seems to be he's, a, he's a national treasure for, for
3: us good God, God, that's amazing <laughs> he hasn't yeah. signed
1: the paperwork <laughs> no. Yeah. no it's no, a matter no, of time it's, his it's, it, it sure. will
3: happen it will I, I i believe that yeah he
1: knows this as well yeah, he
3: does good he's good. not
1: been back <laughs> since as he said, but we're hoping yeah. we were a bit creepy and weird with
0: him uh, yeah. But, yeah, but that's that's fine yeah. it's okay you okay there you got it yeah yeah we have cheap microphones.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> what, can, what can I say? Um, but that that film uh, must have been an absolute blast. To make. The guest? Yeah, oh the it was guest. great.
3: I mean, I don't know. Have you guys met uh, the director Adam yet?
0: Uh, I've only spoken to him on the phone.
3: Yeah, spoke to him. On, okay, um, he's nuts. He's crazy, <laughs> amazingly crazy. And um, and and the writer Simon is probably one of the funniest people I've ever met. Just mm. his super dry sense of humor. Um, so, and even the producers, the, the two producers are just amazing. It's just an amazing group and they always work together on their films. So everyone's super close. And, and obviously Dan's amazing. You guys know Dan. And so we, I mean, we're filming in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico. Um, so there was literally a Taco Bell and maybe, uh, like Carl's Jr.
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe. So the
3: finest dining. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> yeah. So we had a lot to do, um, so we bonded, and, and it's just such, I mean, such a fun group of people. So we were, yeah. I mean, laughing our asses off half the time. And then, you know, running from killers.
1: And- <laughs> uh, it's a pretty funny film, and it's got, you yeah. know, very strong tongue-in-cheek, sort of mm. tongue-in-cheek Terminator, I guess, is yes. how you might describe it. And I know you talked about the scene where, where Adam emerges, a Dan, rather,
3: yeah, Adam. Did <laughs> Adam?
1: Let uh, me show work? you how to do this, Dan. I'm going to take my shirt off. I'm going to go method directing. <laughs>
3: I'm go method Dan method came
1: out that. of the shower with his top off, obviously, and it's a it's a kind of it's hilariously funny,
3: really, I guess.
1: And I read that you you said that he you to the end of the shoot because he was still working on his. Mm-hmm. So with their conversations with Adam going, Dan, how are you doing? He's got I've got five abs. Yeah, I've ab- got more and one more. One more
3: up there, and then it'll be even. <laughs> and It'll be good. Oh yeah, he was working hard for that.
1: But there's some. Dispute whether it was six abs or eight?
3: Eight. It was eight? No, no, no. It was no, six. six, okay. Dan's probably saying eight, isn't he?
1: No, I he's think he's I think, he's, I think he's, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, he's... The world's first ever nine-pack. <laughs> yeah, nine-pack.
3: Nine, pack. Oh, nine just, abs. You
1: can't see his face, it's just abs.
3: Just abs, that's all you're looking at, really. Um,
1: yeah. Both films have got great soundtracks.
3: Oh my God, I know.
1: Um, Do you have them?
3: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah.
1: Yeah. And The Bling Ring as well. Is yeah, another it's... one that's really good? You've, do you, are you... Only do films with they're I, gonna have
3: good music. Yeah, send me your music cues and I'll yeah. think about it. Yeah, of course.
1: Um, the guests, though, we loved, loved it that is soundtrack. Amazing, but I mean, these are things that obviously are added in post production.
3: Well, um, actually, actually, uh, Adam had uh, a playlist of music that he wanted to use that he sent to all of us, so we not. All the music, exactly, but a lot of um, the artists and, and, and even the scene where I have my headphones on on the bed, yeah. I was listening to the song that they ended up putting in the in the movie. Oh, so God. he knew a lot of, um, while we were filming the music, which was awesome, to be able to kind of get the vibe of it uh, helped a lot. Yeah. And what
1: about on It Follows? How did... How did
3: I ha- had no idea. <laughs> no,
1: but I mean, just the sound, yeah. the, the, the atmosphere, and the, did, you, did you get a sense of that in filming, or did you sit down and watch it for the first time and think, ah... Oh, That's the mood.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I knew what he was trying to create, but I had, I mean, it brought a whole nother level, the music. Um, I mean, just like how he explains it, there's really delicate kind of music and then this very harsh kind of uh, loud, um, kind of painful sound. So it it, it was a nice mix. I mean, it makes the movie for me. It kind of brings it all together.
1: We have to let you go and be pursued by other relentless journalists (laughs) quite soon. But I wondered, you you played a young Kate Winslet. Yeah. In Labour Day uh-huh. uh, for Jason Reitman, <laughs> yes. did she give you? Because I guess when if you when you reach her stage, you'd be Oof, chuffed yeah. to have a career like she's had. Yeah. Did she give you any? I'm sure she's not the sort of person to come over and start foisting <laughs> advice yeah. on you. But did you did you get the chance to talk to her about you know the choices and this because you're bound to get yeah. more and more different sorts of scripts yeah. arriving. Did she give you any insight into how to? you know you may not have a titanic
3: yeah. experience <laughs>
1: just yet but did she give you any I mean, advice or guidance yeah
3: i mean it's what she said and which i i believe very strongly is that you know you want to you want to keep loving what you do and so you know people might be telling you you got to be doing this movie to to get to here and and if you're not loving the characters and the script then then you're going to start probably hating your job and and you don't want that cuz it's you know it's 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 magical what we do it's it's amazing and and you got to keep that alive, I guess.
1: Yeah, you could um, bond with her over pool, swimming in pools. Yeah,
3: definitely. Just, yeah, just, tanks, just tanks. Just of, Yeah, because oh, I think she yeah. almost drowned. Didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> you didn't yeah. almost drown, yeah. and it follows. No, from, so. I didn't, but but I I could have. Yeah, easily. Yeah, easily.
1: i just stop breathing and submerge myself <laughs> exactly. for no reason.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and uh, um, what's next for you? What's coming up?
3: Um, well, I just I just finished on the the fifth wave, which is. Um, a young adult, really popular young adult novel um, that's going to be kind of a trilogy thing, which I'm very excited about. I get to play this super kick-ass girl, um, Marksman. And then uh, when I get back from London, I start filming a a movie called Tribes of Palos Verdes, which is kind of a a darker drama, which Mm -hmm. I'm quite excited about.
1: We need to try and populate your INTB trivia page yeah. before we let you go. Can oh. you give us one random fact or passion or obviously you're okay. a keen kiteboarder and you used to be a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, give us something completely random. We'll,
3: about, okay, about something that like, I'm, like, is kind of the most, I think the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. I saw James Brown live yeah. when I was young. and you? I And that was like, I mean, I, I loved him as a kid and I thought that's pretty cool that my gener- like my age, not many people could say they've seen James Brown live. Yeah.
0: What, what was the standout song?
3: Oh God! I mean, <clears throat> all of them. I, mean, <laughs> I, I remember he wore I like he one. wore this like mirrored like outfit, you know, yeah. like like suit, all with mirrors on it. It was amazing.
0: You know yeah. that's gonna be you're gonna be asked about that. For oh,
3: I know. Now it's now, now be, that's it's yeah. Okay. It's gonna yeah, be, yeah, be I'm Page. Saw yeah.
0: James Brown when she was young. It's just gonna be there in the. IMDb.
3: Yeah, that's that's all that that's all that matters. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you
0: so much for coming in, Michael. My Thank mom. you
3: very much. Thank you guys. Thank you.
0: At this point of recording, we haven't uh, inter- actually interviewed Michael Monroe, but that's she was nice. That's that's just, that's just the <laughs> that's forward just in time. Assume. I just assume she was lovely. I think so. In fact, she, I know she's lovely because I did a uh, Q and A with her last night, and she's a very lovely person. Uh, okay, time now for some movie news. Um, let's kick off. We mentioned this earlier on that Neil Blomkamp uh, a couple of weeks ago posted some concept art from an, from an Alien movie that he'd been working on. With Sigourney Weaver, I interviewed Sigourney Weaver back in September. I asked her what you know would she ever want to do a fifth Alien movie, and she said that she'd actually been having some conversations with some interesting young filmmakers about this, about you know finishing Ripley's story. Mm. Clearly, Neil Blomkamp, with whom she's worked on Chappie, which comes out in March sixth, was one of those directors. And uh, last night, Fox gave the movie the green light. So, what do we reckon?
2: This is, I think, pretty exciting. I mean, the concept art was, was dark and twisted in horrible and horrible, ugly way, you know, which is what we expect from the Alien movies. So it certainly caught the attention. You know, I think this, if we're going to go back to the Alien, you want to do something different. You want to go with somebody who has some kind of vision for it and, yep. and some way to build on what we've seen already and, and extend it further. Uh, so it seems like this might not be a bad idea. I'm a little bit, uh, not concerned, but bemused by the talk of Hicks. Being in that this though that's that's a slightly weird uh, scenario given that he's mm. you know pretty dead and I know that death is no <laughs> bar to appearing in an alien movie Mm-mm. but at the same time I don't know it, it just seems like that that story is done with and it's yeah I, I loved him personally He's he I thought he gave one of the sexiest lines in movie history but he was great which one, one? nuke the site for orbit it's the only way to be sure but he says it after she says it in like a you know acceptance of her authority on the matter. So it's just, oh, it's wonderful.
0: Mm, okay. Mm. Yeah, so uh, the concept art, some of it's really interesting. Some of it shows Ripley sitting in the space jockey chair, which indicates that in this movie that they might go back again, I guess, to LV-426. Who knows? But also, yeah, there was some concept art of an old, scarred Hicks alongside yeah. mm. Ripley, which indicates, mm. what, cloning? Or are they going to ignore alien 3 and 4
1: yeah wouldn't um, be a worst idea i suppose yeah <laughs> but i mean he didn't seem as much of a, as i like him as a character and love that movie he didn't seem integral to the alien use the word mythos now i think i can't help it but See, he didn't feel integral he just you know he was just another character in that film and a good one i don't know so about i don't know i don't feel like i don't the, know about that i think there's
0: um i think uh if james dyer were here who's a bigger fan of aliens than i am just saying something I think there's a group of people who grew up loving aliens and loving
1: mm. the yeah.
0: end of aliens. I think I've talked about my, my love for the, the end of aliens mm. in the past when they get away from the explosion at the very, very end and the rush of adrenaline you get and then you put on Alien 3 and it all just turns to, you know, mm. dust. Uh, and so, you know, it's been a group of people. And I think Blomkamp's probably the same age, probably the right, right mm. you know, age group for that. He must have grown up loving that the end of that movie and loving Hicks and, and loving Newt and loving Bishop and and wanted to see more of those characters instead of, uh, you know, the ignominious burial at sea that they got. Um, yeah, yeah but, there's,
2: no, there's something to be said for that because the the beginning of Alien Three did a, did feel like a, a real kick in the teeth in that sense. Yeah, but at the same time, it's been a while now, and yeah. you know, let's move on, guys. I it's gonna know. be. It's, it's, it's good to have new characters sometimes and yeah. not just keep going back to the well, I think.
0: It's going to be a tricky one, isn't it? If how, how do you introduce a character to a modern audience when the the film that that character last appeared in came out in 1986? That could be quite an interesting one. So here's Hicks, everybody. And then if you don't know who Hicks is, uh, we recommend you rent Aliens. Um, that, that could be interesting. Phil, we were talking about this in the office before we came over here, about the idea that if this does go ahead, this is a fifth Alien movie, but Fox are also still actively developing mm. Prometheus 2. Yeah. yeah. So how's that going to work? I, hmm. it, it's
2: interesting. What they might try and do, I guess, is sort of tie them together a bit more because you looked at that concept art. There are those shots of, you know, the, the sort of the space jockey, if you like, ship mm-hmm. in, a, in what appears to be a huge kind of human hangar. So maybe there's a, a, a an element of crossover here. Um yeah. I mean they're obviously taking place in different time periods yeah. so you can have them as different you know different stories independent more or less of one another until some giant days of future past style crossover but um but yeah you you could have them if you could develop the mythology in both I guess and just maybe make sure that they don't completely contradict each other Seems like well.
1: a, lo- a lot going on in the same universe um but especially if you're talking you- about potentially retconning aliens 3 and 4 as well and trying to rebuild and, and trying to basically carry on from Aliens yeah. Um, whilst they're trying to promote and market Prometheus. Mm-hmm. And you said Ridley Scott is obviously working, will be working with Neil Blomkamp on this, so there, well, there will be DNA. Well, Ridley Scott yeah. has, you know,
0: he's said, stated very clearly that he doesn't want to do The Alien again. He, you know, he wants his Prometheus mm-hmm. franchise to go in a very different direction and take that xenomorph in a very different Direction, as we saw at the end of the at the end of the film, so <clears throat> this is really interesting. It's not like X Men. It's not like you know your typical. and This is a uh, obviously a new thing, but your typical shared universe. It, this is like a franchise stretching itself in two different directions. Uh, so you have one Prometheus, which is going off into unexplored direction, and then a- Alien Five, which is, is delivering, yeah, you know, all the stuff that you really wanted Prometheus to give you, but it didn't quite give you. Mm. Well, this will give you all that stuff. That's my feeling.
2: Yeah, I think I think this could be. Great, and I don't think it's it's that complicated to get our head around because if we yeah. can understand Days of Future Past and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and and the Marvel universe, then we should be able to get our head around Prometheus and Alien, whatever the number this is. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm interested to see what how, where this goes.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's one of those ones where it's like a it's like a squaring of the circle, or it's come for for, for Neil Blumkamp. but was obviously weaned on this stuff, mm. and his films are full of its influences, especially in their tech and weaponry, etc. Um, to be doing this seems like a really logical thing and is quite exciting. And I think he needs probably something like this to explore. He's obviously passionate about it. Mm. Um, Hopefully he'll find daylight to do something of his own and hopefully it will be, you know, an 18. (laughs) I think that's going to be a big factor. I think it has to be balls out and scary and, you know, violent. Because I think, you know, you can't keep your powder dry and and that's going to be a discussion with the studio, I'd imagine, for him. Fingers crossed, though.
0: It is interesting because the end of Alien Resurrection it's so far in the future. So mm. how does Hicks? Oh wow, it's going to be fun finding out. Um, speaking of fifth installments, uh, this week we had the official announcement that production is underway of Pirates of the Caribbean. Dead men don't wear plaid. Sorry, dead men don't wear <laughs> tails. No, dead men don't declare taxes. No, dead men do. Some, what do they do? They don't. Dead men tell no tales. That's what they do. That's what they do. Javier Bardem. Jeffrey Rush is back as Barbosa. Kevin R. McNally is back as the character he plays in
1: that franchise. You've got other people as well. Brenton Thwaites. Brenton Thwaites. The guy that really the whole the whole <clears throat> franchise hangs off. Brenton Thwaites. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Johnny <laughs> Depp. Sorry. Oh, oh, Johnny Depp, yes. Yes, oh, back yes, as Captain him. Jack. Uh, I mean, and he's looking for the, the Trident of Poseidon. I'm so excited about the Trident of Poseidon. <laughs> I didn't think after The Fountain of Youth I could get any more excited about a movie MacGuffin. <laughs> But the way they're heading towards relentlessly towards the haddock of eternal life,
2: <laughs> we've had or the loom of fate. Why the, not the
1: welk of mystery <laughs> in Pirate <laughs> Seven? I, just, I this is the sort of shit that gets me out of bed in the morning. The trident of Poseidon is a thing—a <laughs> thing that they'll be trying to do something with. It'll be does that mean magical be... or not? <laughs> yeah, it'll be. It'll have. Th- I'll tell you one thing for sure. It'll have three prongs. It, it might not have three prongs.
2: Well, it's Trident. It's in the name. Ah, oh, that's what it means. Um, what yeah, the... we know it's a powerful artifact that bestows upon its possessor total control over the seas. Told you. Which kind of sounds like uh, the 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 one in the last couple of films, or that... before the Final yep. of Youth. Yeah. Um, and, and we have ghost pirates, deadly ghost pirates, which kind of sounds like the ones we had in the first film. Yeah. Um, it's it seems to me, a li- and we have a member of the Cruise Bardem.
1: I'm not liking family. your subtext here. I've got to be honest with you, Helen. <laughs> but go on.
2: Well, it it feels like maybe a little bit of a let's let's be charitable and call it a greatest hit. Uh, But now
1: if that's, they get the Trident now and Poseidon. That's what I call it
0: Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, volume five. I volume would five. genuinely, if they called it that, I would be there in a heartbeat. I will see it anyway. Obviously, I'm, i you know,
1: if they get this. Part, if you get the Trident and Poseidon, they could potentially get rid yes. of the
0: crux. They could. It and then it sounds like we're, sounds like we're being somewhat dismissive of this, this movie oh, which is guaranteed actually, to make a, a billion dollars obviously yes, and be no, huge and no. stuff and that's not dismissive the first film I think is still great the second film has got all the great things in it the third film is definitely diminishing returns mm. the third film is not good. the second film the fourth film is directed by Rob Marshall which tells you everything you need to know uh, and then we have uh, the fifth film which I hope I mean they're, they're saying all the right things
2: maybe this will be the fast five of the franchise maybe it
0: will that would be
2: amazing. I am back Maybe. on board.
0: Maybe it will. If we can get Brick Tamlin in there, it'll be amazing. Imagine if he killed a guy with the Trident of Poseidon. That'd be <laughs> that'd be amazing. Speaking of other uh, films, other big franchise films and shared universes and all that all that jazz, uh, the X-Men cinematic universe, as nobody's calling it at the moment, <laughs> the XCU, uh, is really getting underway. So this week we've had casting on X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, we've had people complaining that Cody Smith-McPhee is too young to play Nightcrawler which is just a ludicrous argument, um, <laughs> Bumps and teleports around and has a German accent in his blue. Helen. Yes. Obviously Nightcrawler we last saw on X-Men 2. Yes. Uh, it was a much older iteration of the character. What do you think of the casting of Cody Smith-McPhee as Nightcrawler?
2: I think I might actually be quite on board with it. Um, if you think about it, this is set a good 25 years before X2. So that's somewhere in the 80s, right? Yeah. So... He should be a younger character, even if we're assuming X Men continuity makes any sense, which at this point is a huge, <laughs> assumption. So, if we're saying
0: that X Men Two takes place in two thousand and two,
2: ish, yeah, ish, it's meant to be near future. It it's nineteen
0: it? years, ish. So this is eighty three.
2: Hmm.
0: So okay, yeah, makes Not, sense. So, yeah, that makes sense. Not too, too young, I don't think. Yeah,
2: um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's got an interesting like shape to his face, so that'll come through even when he's blue. So yeah, maybe we'll see him in his days with the Munich Circus. (laughs) Very (laughs) exciting. It does feel pretty crowded. So we've obviously got the core crew, McAvoy, Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, Nicholas Holtz. You've got young versions of Storm, Cyclops and Jean Grey. Uh, You have uh, Rose Byrne returning as Moira McTaggart. You now have Cody Smith-McPhee. You have The Big Bad. You have, um, of course, Oscar Isaac, who we already discussed, um, who will be released from the front of Chris's (laughs) car for the duration. Um, Yeah, this is, um, it's a lot of people. I think what you need to do is do this sort of uh, quicksilver approach and just give everybody great moments. And if you do that, it doesn't feel quite so kind of crowded. I think if you're trying to just put everybody in the background of every scene, then it doesn't work. But hopefully if they can find good moments for everybody to have, then it could work brilliantly. I mean, even in X2, really, he has one great, great scene in that Mm -hmm. opening and then a few nice little character beats. But he's not he doesn't have a huge amount of screen time, really. So you could do quite a lot with Nightcrawler in quite a small space of time. I also think that this is another chance for them to produce Banff Dolls, which I've always wanted since seeing them in the comics. So fingers crossed for that.
0: (laughs) Interesting. Uh, One character we know who will no longer, or one actor rather, who will no longer be appearing in the XCU is Daniel Cudmore,
3: who after
0: uh, three appearances as Colossus uh, in X2, X-Men The Last Stand and Days of Future Past, will not be returning for Deadpool in which Colossus will appear.
2: I think that's mm. kind of a shame. I always liked him as as Colossus. Not, that he had the m- most enormous role to fill. Good um, finishing
0: sentences, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: No, but I, I, you know, he looks the part. He had that sort of solidity about him for that character. Uh, so I will slightly miss him. But you know, I do love Colossus as a character, though. So I, I'm, I'm, if this is if this is a sign that they're giving him more to do, then happy days. You know, it's got to be a good thing.
0: Yeah, I. I... It's a tough one, this, isn't it? Because it's probably fair to say he hasn't shown probably uh, the full extent of acting ability in the three movies so far. He hasn't had a lot to do. No, he hasn't. And maybe Colossus has a much bigger part, so to speak, in this one. Event Horizon. And, um, yeah, so maybe they're looking for someone who's not just beefcake. Yes. But actually has some... some Steak. Chops. chops, chops.
2: chops. chops. Some, the some Pork
0: chops? Beef so. chops. Chor- yeah. Some some extra vegetables to go with sure. beef. Okay.
2: And then also in Deadpool, we we heard that Gina Carano is going to be in it as Angel Dust, who's one of the Morlocks who live under the streets of New York, uh, which is interesting casting for her. But apparently the bigger female role, which people thought she was taking, is actually going to Morena Baccarin, of course, of Firefly fame. But we don't know exactly who she's playing, or at least I don't, unless somebody... Mm. You've heard something else, Chris? Nope, no, I haven't heard anything yet. So, um, so that'll be interesting. So uh, some... Very kick-ass females there to be joining the yeah. Merc with the Mouth.
0: Absolutely. My 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 fervent hope for Deadpool, apart from the fact that I just don't know if they go down the breaking the fourth wall route and he's very aware that it's in a movie and blah blah blah, how that's going to fit into this wider XCU that they're establishing tonally and visually and all that. It's just, I hope they don't go down the route that kind of, for me, ruined the two Wolverine solo movies, which was they the, the can't yeah. seem to resist the urge to just throw mutants at it and the Wolverine was such a good... If he'd just been in Japan fighting people who weren't mutants, you have that awful last 20 minutes where it turns into a Bond film. It just it, That's crazy to me. But if you keep it pared down and just have
1: a, a fairly yeah. relatable low-budget situation... I think we're think talking about a one-in-one-out policy now, aren't we? On, on <laughs> mutants and X-Men films. Yeah. The nightclub casting strategy, I call it. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> casting it's like, no, sorry, mate. So Daniel name name's not down. Currently, not no oh, poor guy. Yeah, interesting news on the Assassin's Creed, Ubisoft's beloved uh, computer game. Uh, video game. I got told off for of using the expression "computer games." It makes me sound like an absolute idiot, apparently, or a very clever person from 1987. Um, <laughs> and uh, Marion Cotillard's joined Michael Fassbender. I haven't played it. I, no, I'm very aware of it. I haven't played it, but I think I think I've watched my brother Nick play it. Um, it, I think it, so. It looks like fun. It's I, quite assassinating, There's a little there's, bit of creediness going on. It's you know, it, yeah. There's a creed. They have to sign up to the creed, unless it's the rock band creed. I, I'm hazy on the details, but it's a great cast. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine this will be quite. It won't have any kangaroos in buckets. And this, this trio have recently teamed on Macbeth. Macbeth, which you know, which promises to be the funniest stuff. adaptation. Of that yeah, way, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> gonna be that's gonna be a laugh riot right there. um so yeah, so I, uh, Ali Plum of Empire Towers has coined the expression Macbeth for this one, which which might hit the nail on the head. There's going to be some killing. I don't know what sort of. It's going to be a fun film, I think. It could, but could it be the best video game adaptation to date? We oh, there's see. a high
2: bar, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I will say what this what this story does tell me is that everybody had a good time making Macbeth. Yes. And don't hate each other, which which would seem to be a good sign. That film, while slightly delayed, I think from its originally planned release. Is, is on track and all seems well.
1: Not necessarily a good thing, though, is that? As discussed previously. No, you don't always but... want cast to get on.
2: No, true, but at the same time, the fact that they are planning to work with each other again shows faith in each other's abilities, which might have been shaken if Macbeth is rubbish.
1: I would imagine Fassbender and Cotill would be hard to persuade to join <laughs> a comic a video game adaptation, potentially.
2: So it must because be good they one.
1: are people that look, are very scru- scrupulous about what sort of roles. That's impugning. Everyone else has ever been in one. I shouldn't say that. But, you know, it's good. I think it's encouraging. They must have liked the script, uh, obviously. And uh, Assuming good. there is really one. Really good actors. Good. Assuming there is one, I don't know. It would yeah. be a step up on most
0: movies <laughs> of the size that you know, start probably without scripts. But anyway, my big question is, what's the catering going to be like? That's, that's the big one.
2: That's the thing um, that everyone cares about,
0: That's the question on everybody's lips. Uh, right, that's news wrapped up in a nice little bow. Let's have a second guest on the show. Uh, he's a national treasure, a living legend, the Bill Nighiest man alive, with the exception of Phil the Semlin, of course. He's been bloody brilliant in a host of things, from love actually to pride, and, yes, as my intro made clear, Sean of the Dead. Uh, he is, of course, Bill Nighy. He crops up next week in the second best Exotic Marigold Hotel, the sequel to... Um, he came in recently to talk to Phil and Ali Plum about that movie and a whole heap more. Now, long-time listeners of the podcast will know that every now and again we have a, a sound snafu. And uh, we had uh, another one on this one. So I think this interview was actually recorded on someone's iPhone, as far as I can tell. Uh, so we do apologize for the sound quality, as in there may not be any, uh, but do enjoy anyway.
4: I'm going to start with a slightly odd question, but I don't really mind asking odd questions, um, as you'll find out from the rest of this interview, but tell me the story of how you became the president of Crystal Palace's women's football club.
5: Basically, I became the president of Crystal Palace women's football team because I got in the wrong cab, and I got in a cab, and Charles, who turned out to be the cab driver, said, will you speak to my wife? I said, uh, which cab drivers and other people do occasionally ask me to do. They'll hand you the phone and they'll say... Her name is Sandra. And he'd say, hey, Sandra, how are things with you? And uh, I said, yeah, okay. So I spoke to his wife. And he said, but prior to the phone call, he said, well, we've had a bit of a row and we haven't spoken for a while. And uh, I wondered if you might have a word with her. I said, well, what am I going to be saying to your wife? He said, well, just tell her that, you know, to come to her senses and let's discuss it. I said, I don't think I'm going to be saying that to your wife. Anyway, I spoke to his wife. And afterwards, he said, "You see, it's difficult because I'm a cab driver. Therefore, I'm out of the house a lot. But also, uh, I am the manager of the Crystal Palace Women's Football Team." And I said, "Oh, right. Well, I'm a Palace supporter." And he said, "Well, I know that." And then later, he said, "There was a big there was a silence," and then he said, "You wouldn't be our president, would you?" And it was I don't know. And normally, I would you know I do avoid being those you know taking any of those kind of uh, positions. But I just thought because it was the ladies' team, and I don't want to be celebrity. Fan or, you know, or celebrity, anything, frankly, uh, but I did think, yeah, why not? It was quite, it was quite, a, you know, and and it was, uh, you know, I'm creating the role, given that there's never been a person <laughs> Um and uh, and it's turned out to be quite good fun. And we had a we had a Q and A recently to raise money for the under 15s I think, or something, to go to California for ten days and play, you know, play all the the schools over, there and uh, that was hilarious, and we had a very good evening, and we raised, raised some money. So, uh, you know, I am proud and pleased to be... He calls me... Charles calls me El Presidente. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a uniform? It sounds uh, like you've been, Well, I'm pretty much wearing... I'm dressed as the President as we speak, which is pretty much what I wear <laughs> Enjoying your epaulets and your medals, Bill. Yeah, well, I should have, shouldn't I? <laughs> How are they doing at the moment? They're doing very well. They've got a very lively uh, system, and, uh, you know, they're in good shape. Because you're uh, a, Croydon, a Croydon man. Uh, were you a Crystal
1: Palace fan, sort of, brought up? Is that, yeah, was well, it just coincidence? I...
5: Yeah, my, 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 my father came from Croydon, and my brother and my sister have lived in and around Croydon all their lives, and my grandfather, you know, my grandparents were in Croydon. But in fact, I grew up in Caterham, which is near Croydon, and, um, uh, and everyone around there would be a palace supporter because they're the nearest big club. So, um, and, I, and I also help out with a, a charity down there um, for uh, disabled children. There's a box which um, the club pay half of, half of per year, and we have to raise the other half, and the, and the kids come down and they get in the box. That's pretty So it's a cool thing.
4: Here's to that. When yeah. we last spoke, you probably don't remember me speaking to you when we spoke last, but it was for about time. I spoke to you about how people approach you in the street and what they talk to you about, and you yeah. told me that you can tell pretty much from their age. Oh, yes. 25 to 35, yeah. short of the Dead, 35 yeah. plus, Love Actually, Yeah, with the success of the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, and I am no way... In any doubt that I this one's now, going to be success mm. now, do you have sixty-five-year-olds or six-year-olds I, coming I
5: am out? now poster boy for OAPs. Mm. I made the cover of Saga magazine. What I'm, a privilege. privilege! You know, do you see what I'm saying? Uh, I am very big in that particular demographic now. Uh, no, yeah, of course, obviously you do. But this film all, uh, seems to have spread around a little bit, and I'd, you know, you get some quite surprisingly young people coming up. So no, is that true? We enjoyed that, yeah. You know, I don't think it could have done the business it did if it had relied entirely on the over-60s. <laughs> I don't think there's that many around. But, uh, <laughs> you know, to take whatever it took, all these millions of dollars. So, um, but yeah, no, I am now... I've got it covered. I'm, you know, what with uh, Pirates of the Caribbean for the under-9s. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and indeed from 9 to 90. Uh, I've got it pretty much covered.
4: I was going to ask, I read that it was... Not a close-run thing, but there was a chance that it could have been a Dutch Davy Jones. Was there ever really much chance that you'd be doing a Dutch accent
5: for that? Yeah, no, I remember taking a call in the back of a car on the way home from work, and Gore Verbinski, the director, uh, was... I wasn't uh, entirely uh, sure that I should be in the film, and he was saying, "Uh, come on, you know, it's a pirate movie, how many times do you get... be in a pirate movie i said well yeah and then he said i said well, and i the reason i was reluctant was because i didn't know how to play it uh, it wasn't because of any disrespect to the film i just thought i don't know what to do and, and he, i said well how would he speak how would he sound he said wet I said, <laughs> I said okay that's good that's fine i said but where about where am i you know that's you know i get it but where would he come from he said well you know he could be dutch i said dutch why dutch he said well because the The ship is called the Flying Dutchman. I thought, oh yeah, right, and I was thinking nobody knows how to do Dutch because, I mean, Dutch is like, you know, I'm quite good at accents, but Dutch, is, Mm. you know, it would take six months if you could indeed pull it off. And then I quickly said, what about Scots? And he said, well, how does that sound? So I ended up in the back of this car doing a (laughs) Scottish accent, trying to do a wet Scottish accent (laughs) in the back of a car. Uh, Anyway, yeah, that sounds great. Anyway, and I ended up as a sort of Scotsman. That's how you get gigs. In the yeah. back of a taxi. Didn't,
1: that didn't translate into his onset direction. though. It wasn't like, "Bill, give me more wetness in this next take."
5: No, we never, we never used the word "wet" again. <laughs> just a thing. bit damper, just twelve percent. Yeah, that's yeah, that would have been good. I could have I, that. I understand. <laughs> I yeah. also
4: hear that Stephen Poliakoff once said, "Don't wiggle your eyes so much."
5: Yeah, that which is it was the very first note that Stephen Poliakoff ever gave me, and it was, a, and I and I heaved a sigh of relief when he when he when he said it to me because th- th- that I can do. I know how to stop winging my eyes about. If they come up and they and they and they hand you some psych, psychiatry, you know what I mean? Well, they talk about secondary energy and primary energy. Well, then I just, you know, I mean, forget about it because I don't know what you mean. Because acting is a very is, a, is couldn't be more of a practical mm. um, uh, activity. You know, what I mean, it's like you need practical help. It's no good, you know, psychology up to a point, but not really in the end. Don't wiggle your eyes about. is <laughs> is my kind of director. I was trying to tell George V that the Russian arm of his family had been slaughtered in a basement, and it was obviously, you know, it was obviously a very moving, uh, I thought, moment. And I thought, I thought, what might help? Obviously, subconsciously, I thought, uh, if it might help if I wiggle my eyes about. <laughs> you could have it. made him wet. I could have made. That's him. But yes, that's from uh, from
1: from the Lost Prince,
5: isn't it? That's the from Polyakov,
1: yeah. um TV. Yeah. Um, which was beautiful I absolutely yeah. adore the exotic second best exotic Marigold Hotel you were obviously uh, uh, the don from the first film on the cover of Saga magazine New yeah. Demographics the big the big yeah. man yeah. Richard Gere this guy oh, yeah, I mean he's yeah, yeah. done a few things previously but he's yeah. not probably that well known in these circles turns up on set do you embrace him first day because he doesn't really know you guys have all worked together you've bonded you've had a lot of fun together yeah. on the film it looks like it was a lot of fun to film yeah. do you is there a little bit of frostiness to start with or do you no. just
5: embrace him into the... No, he was he was uh, immediately embraced. I had actually worked with him once before when I was very young, when I was 20-something, and he was 20-something, obviously. Uh, no, he entered the language very simply. You do become invisible, uh, I observed, when you stand next to Richard here, <laughs> uh, which is quite handy. If, you know, if you want to take a break from being visible, just go and stand somewhere near Richard, particularly with, with, uh, with the female... Uh, Population of the world, uh, which is something that I'm accustomed to. You know, it's not. Has it's he
1: not been really on the deal. cover of Saga Magazine?
5: I don't think so. You know, not mm. uh, that. The second question: Is he El Presidente? No. No. Is he? Has he got any connection or any influence over the Crystal Palace Ladies Football Team? I don't think so. You know, you presumably he would have mentioned it. He would have. They would have told me. In, In fact, like, he'd be president. Come on, let's face it. If he called up now, and said, do you know what? I'd like to be president. If they, you know, I would no longer be president. Let yes. me say this to you though, know, Bill, if you were
1: standing to Richard Gere in front of the Crystal Palace ladies football team, you would not be invisible. They would be looking at you.
5: Well, that, yeah, because, uh, it, It's probably the only situation in which I would remain visible, Yeah, because I am El President.
1: Quite so. I wondered if there's any analogy with your experiences on Harry Potter, because you came to the franchise quite late, I suppose, in the day. And everybody had been working for a long time in this world, had been established, and had directors repeating films and you came on a little late in the day, was it, I mean, even as an experienced actor, um, was it, is there it a tiny sense of first day of school when you turn up oh, on set? Oh, yeah,
5: but then that's the same with every single job. Um, I hate starting jobs, and any actor will tell you. And it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. it, it I am not sustained by precedent. Mm. I'm not reassured by you know, anything that's gone before. Um, and the first day on Harry Potter was the same as any other day. You don't sleep. You arrange to be as exhausted as you possibly can before you walk on the set. You're paranoid, insecure, and unsure. Uh, that's standard. That's an actor's life. Mm. Unless you're mad, you know, there's no way around it or on drugs. And even then you fuck up. So it's not, you know, and, but the only thing that, that, that I did have going for me was that I'd worked with David Yates three times before uh, on three very different kinds of things. And he's one of the great directors. And I, uh, I like him enormously. So, you know, I had him, in, you know, t- 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 on my team kind of thing. So that helped a bit. Going back to getting
4: kind of noticed, uh, I was wondering, after The World's End came out, one of the things that I wanted to talk about as soon as I finished watching the film was, that's Bill Nye. He's doing the network. He is the network. Do people ever talk to you about that? And, yeah. f- and following on from that, how did it feel to set up one of the best jokes in the film with... Just what is it that you want to
5: do? Oh, yes. Yeah, it felt very, very good. I was very, uh, I was very um, flattered that those... Uh, I was very pleased that those actors should speak with my voice. The fact that Martin Freeman at one point spoke with my voice was very, very satisfying. I'm a very big fan of Martin's and a friend of Martin's, and uh, that amused me a lot. Uh, people do ask me about it. Yeah, as uh, again, you know, the 25 to 29, or whatever they are, usually male... <laughs> um, not always, but they. they the, the, That's the name of your memoir, right there. <laughs> yes, quite. The Edgar Rice, uh, Simon Pegg, uh, Nick Frost brigade. Mm. They are, you know, I am. They are very well disposed towards me, as the older member of the franchise. I am one of the only, I think, four other actors who have been in all of the Cornetto trilogy, mm-hmm. which is uh, some distinction. And, uh, yeah, people often ask about, uh, about The World's End and, and about, you know, Sean of the Dead and about Hot Fuzz. Does anybody ever say to you, oh, fuck off, you big lamp? Uh, not yet, but it's a great line. It's a great line. It's a
4: fantastic line. It's a privilege to be given that, to be receive that insult. I know. And when was the last time someone whispered in your ear, oh, fuck, wank, bugger, shitting arse, <laughs> hole"? Because you told me before that people do genuinely, they see you on the street and then they come up to you in your ear and go,
5: yeah, shit, fuck, yeah. Yeah, 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 no, that's true. Uh, That happens on a regular basis. They also say, hey, kids, don't buy drugs, become a rock star. People give you (laughs) that's another big one. Or Antor Deck, that's another (laughs) (laughs) great line. Just shouting
1: Antor Deck at you. The the finest moments in love, actually, I think everybody would agree. Um, But that's obviously a Christmas staple, but it's not your only Christmassy film. This is a very tenuous segue into, into. Probably one of the lesser explored corners of, of your illustrious CV, which is the Bergerac Christmas special from 1991. Jesus. I don't know if you've been asked about that today. I would imagine probably not, but I just, I don't even Was really it a Christmas question. special? You were, yeah, yeah, I had a look at You on played him. Santa, yeah, Bill. Christmas special. Did I? No. no. I had Santa, no. No, I had a look on YouTube. You could YouTube. tell me I did and I'd believe you. Oh, no, so really? So
5: long ago. It was a while ago. Did you... you were, I think you were scheming against John Nettles' character. I was a bad guy, I remember that, and I know I remember doing the job, but I, uh, I can't remember anything about the story or anything like that. Do you, was, it, was it fun? Was it Christmas? Was it, it was a Christmas special. <laughs> Blimey, that's quite posh. <laughs> I, I, I did, I'm, I'm going to have that added to... Did it say Christmas special on my TV? Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, good. Need, you need to get home and type no, it out. We want that on there. You're also in Minder, I believe. I was in Minder. I, uh, I was. I was also... In the very first Wycliffe, oh, really, and I was also in the very first Peak Practice. No, yeah, baby, I was uh, I was a pioneer in terms of both those series. I was in the I was in Ep One.
1: Wow, you like the Christopher series. Columbus of the yeah, Peak
5: District. Exactly, I'm the guest red herring, you know, <laughs> of the number one episode. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you, I've been around. I yeah. get around. Don't you, worry about you it. You make things happen.
4: Yeah, exactly. Were you, in any way, uh, part of the driving force that made Dad's Army a going concern?
5: Uh, Cause, cause in the see- original? Oh, you in mean... Not the <laughs> original one. No, not Ep 1. Oh, right. No, the- I actually watched Ep 1 the other day. Ep 1 of Dad's Army, if you buy mm, the box, yeah. which is in black and white, as mm. were the first, I don't know, three series in the 60s, is actually absolutely bloody marvellous. Yeah. It's mm. really, really good. It's before they get into uniform. It's when they get the letter saying you must form the Home Guard. Uh-huh. They're all in black suits in the bank. Yes. And they have to audition possible army members. It's very, 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 very. It's the origin very, story. Yeah. Did you yeah. see
1: the film? The, 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 the film that they did? No. The, they, they spun obviously out of the series. No. They shot I didn't. it in just outside London in like Chalfield St Peter. But you Do guys not. obviously went up and shot in Yorkshire and Scarborough, didn't you?
5: Yeah, we were, we were based in Scarborough. We shot largely in Bridlington, Beverley, mm. and places yeah. like that. I was lucky enough to go on set.
1: Wait, I guess the end of last year, and you oh. weren't there that day. But, but Toby Jones and um, all of the, uh, well, many of the rest of the the squad were in action. And I have such a good feeling about this film. It oh, was just hilarious to be there in Witness Um But you, I understand you and zeta Jones was there, and you were all staying in Scarborough, bringing yeah. a bit of Hollywood magic to Scarborough. I guess did you, did you have a good
5: time bonding with the with the with the guys, first. I went. One of, the reasons, one of the reasons that the job was attractive to me was that I knew that I'd be sitting somewhere near Michael Gambon for seven weeks yeah. in Bridlington. And I thought, you know, you can't really miss an opportunity like that. Because Michael Gambon, and I thought Michael Gambon would make me laugh all every day for seven weeks, which is exactly what happened because he makes everybody laugh. Yes, he makes me laugh to the point where. You think you'll never take another breath?
1: <laughs> yes, that happened on set that day.
5: Really? Yes. He is absolutely, endlessly hilarious, and I and he's also kind of my role model, which means I'm in real trouble. But no, <laughs> he is actually something. You know, I admire him as much as I admire any actor in the world ever. And he is, as the cliche has it, you know, he's touched by genius. And I've seen him be no. I'm, I'll you'll never. i I'll, I'll never see anyone act better than Michael Campbell. And he's a, he is a kind of hero. But he also makes me laugh. So, and it was very, very funny. And Toby, as you saw, Toby Jones is brilliant as Captain Manning. Danny Mays is brilliant as Walker. You know, Sir Tom and Sir Michael. And uh, they're all, you know, perfectly cast. And uh, so who knows? You know, I did, I did resist it at first because, you yeah. know, you think, oh, come on, it's Dad's on, leave it alone, you know. But the script was very, very good, and everyone involved. Then it, suddenly the cast started to mount up, and you thought, well, maybe yes. the whole thing might work.
1: There's enough comic timing in that in that lineup to sort of power Greenwich Mean Time, I'd say. And, cool. and for a lot of people, it was like, really, they're doing this? And then you saw the first picture of the cast together, and you're like, okay, it makes sense. Yeah. Are there any lines that you think people are going to quote at you in years to come that spring to mind? Um, you can you can share with us? Or, or, or any of the classic quotes?
5: Do be quiet, Frank. That's uh, that's uh, that's the one I remember. Uh, you know, don't be stupid, Frank. Uh, but there are lots. All the catchphrases are there. You, you know, I mean, they're, they're kind of snuck in late, just when you think you're not going to get. We don't like. They don't like it. up em. You know, they sneak it in. Um, and uh, you know, all the all your favourite stupid things from the show are in there. You know, they they the, Hamish McColl who wrote the script has done a. You know, he's watched every single. You know, if the box set is about that wide, mm-hmm. you know, it's like 10, 10, 12, ten, twelve—I don't know, whatever it was—twelve years of Dad's army. So, and he's distilled it pretty marvelously. I cannot wait for people to whisper in your ear as you walk down the street. They don't like it often. No, <laughs> that's <laughs> going to be. They different. don't like it up em.
1: I think one final question, if I may. Yeah. Um, the franchise, the fr- is now a franchise, isn't it? Really, but the Exotic Marigold Hotel franchise is 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 going great guns. Will you be... Are you contracted for a third film? Would you do a third film? And what I, would you call
5: it? I am not contracted for a third film. Um, I would be the... Probably like a shot... On, when the second one was, uh, was suggested, Judy Dench said, well, they'd better hurry up. So, uh and the third one. They'd better, they better get their skates on. My suggestion to call it was the second best Exotic marigold Hotel 2. That's
4: very fine. That's so, very good. Yeah, all right, yeah. I'll go and tell them. We'll make that happen. Dude, that's very good. Anyway, thanks again. Absolute pleasure,
5: sir. Pleasure.
0: Thank you. Uh, Hot Bill Nighy fact: I once saw him crossing the street in Camden. (gasps) He crossed it in a very classy way. Uh, Hotter Bill Nighy fact: I almost always type his name as Bill Nighy.
2: Me too.
0: Which is quite sexy, really. Yeah, that's the The live, the live Schreiber. Nemesis. Uh, yeah. some lovely reviews now coming your way a uh, lot of films out this week that deserve your intention we'll really can only talk about three we don't have a lot of time because Michael Monroe is about to bang on the door um, let's start with the big film about the world the kinky world of BDSM yes of course it's Peter Strickland's the Duke of Burgundy uh, Phil Katz yes you're a man yeah. who looks like he knows the kinky world of BDSM inside out um, it's just the way you have
1: that shirt just Shutting every so just on jumping. the floor yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah i should have put trousers on for this but there you go uh, peter strickland i think is i would name mention him in the same breath as a sort of ben wheatley as somebody that's just really could go on to do really truly great things he's very very talented and he's not afraid to tackle unusual material as his first film kathleen varga was shot entirely in i believe hung- hungarian so he, he a brave filmmaker, and this is a, a, a unlike any film you'll see this year. It's beautifully shot. It's beautifully composed. It's a film about. It's a weird kind of. It would make a weird double bill with Fifty Shades of Grey. It's like a really, really classy version of Fifty Shades of Grey, and uh, it's it's a film about a dominate a domin a dominant and a submissive relationship. Two women living in a in a kind of undefined society. Only women in this film. Um, it's sort of seventy. It feels like sort of seventies Italy in a forest. It's that kind of thing. It's like a. It's just a. It's just out of place and dislocated. But it's the focus is on this. Uh, this couple, they have obviously had the glory days of their relationship, and they're at the point now where things are starting to get a bit done and boring. And they they do. There are things in this film that are specialist interest, should we say, in, the, in terms of their sort of sexual proclivities, but th- it's really a film about their relationship and about relationships in general, and it, it's very Im- emotional um, throughout this. And there's some astonishing things it breaks the, thir- the breaks the third wall, breaks the third wall and the fourth wall. Um, it's got a beautiful soundtrack by um, Cat's Eyes, okay. uh, which is fantastic, and I would recommend the heck out of it. We've given it five stars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so distinct and and hard to describe but it's a it's a it's a kind of a mood a moody um strange romantic out there movie and i would really recommend going to see if you can good performances the performances are fantastic from both of the women chiara Anna mm-hmm. and sidzi Babat Knudsen again i always get the hardest words the hardest <laughs> names to pronounce um, the two of them as the as the two women uh, one slightly younger than the other, mm-hmm. uh, convey all these kind of insecurities, and their, they have these strange rituals. Um, it kind of throws itself, twists itself round. The dynamic that you're introduced to when the film starts, one of them is basically kind of the cleaner and the servant, mm-hmm. and she comes and she does all of these things, and she gets brutally punished and br- for doing anything wrong. It's just like one of our issue meetings, really. It's a lot of, <laughs> lot of. A lot of kinky nonsense. But then, then you realise that actually that's not what's happening at all. And it twists itself around on its head and the whole dynamic of the relationship shifts and then it shifts again and it keeps shifting uh, in really interesting and actually really quite funny ways. It's a funny film. Um, I haven't seen Fifty Shades of Grey yet, but I understand that it's not perhaps mocking itself in that way. And this is a film that kind of does. There's a, there's a scene where a woman turns up to make a bed for them. They want a bed where one of them can sleep in a cupboard underneath the other one. Um, and they have a very po-faced, deadpan conversation about how quickly they can have this bed made for them, um, and it's kind of hilarious. But at the same time, it's in earnest, and and that's it, Peter Strickland can Strickland can he can kind of do that. If you've seen Barbarian Sound Studio, you realise he can do the absurdity and the horror. And in this film, he does the absurdity and the romance and the sex, and it all kind of gels into this wonderful sort of portrait of a relationship.
0: Fantastic. Uh, five stars then for the Duke of Burgundy, uh, which seems perhaps in stark contrast to Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, mm. which we didn't talk about last week, uh, Helen, because um, they, they hadn't screened show it, to us, no. it to critics. Uh, obviously, it made a, I believe the technical phrase is, a shit tonne of cash mm. around the world, over £200 million. Uh, around the world last weekend yeah. um, with the people flocking to see Mr. Grey. I can tell from your face already what you're going to say. But um, I saw someone yesterday, I uh, popped into cinema uh, for a very, very brief yesterday uh, to pick up some pick and mix with Nick. <laughs> and um, we overheard a lady, who oh, was on her own, who popped in and asked for five tickets to Fifty Shades of Grey. Five tickets for like a three o'clock screening. I just to think, okay, so are you friends joining you later I mean you know, but that for me that kind of sums up the phenomenon that is Fifty Shades of Grey but yeah. what do we think of the film itself
2: Um. well listen the, the film is is a pretty good attempt at adapting a, a novel that should never have been attempted it's not a very a good a novel that
0: should never the adaptation should never have been attempted or you sent E.L. James should everything never everything
2: have... about it yeah. um, there was a great line in Anthony um, Lane's review in the New Yorker where he says that you can't can't believe that this was written in the author's first language or even her fourth, Um, (laughs) which is a little mean but not entirely wrong. Um, But this is actually a pretty good adaptation. I would say that Dakota Johnson is really genuinely good at making a character who is nothing on the page, literally nothing. And turning her into someone that you could actually not just see as as an actual human being, but also someone that you might actually like, which is very, very impressive indeed, given what she has to work with. So I think she did well there. I think that um, Sam Taylor-Johnson did well, Mm -hmm. generally speaking with the adaptation. There are some wildly obvious moments, like she meets Christian Grey for the first time, played by Jamie Dornan, and she comes outside and it starts raining it's like, oh, for God's sake. Um, but generally speaking, I think Sam Taylor-Johnson Don- does a good job. But as you've all heard, you know, the story here is the problem. The story is uh, Anastasia Steele, played by Dakota, meets Christian Grey, played by Jamie Dornan, who mm. is a billionaire, which is a whole ridiculous at the age of apparently 28. Um, it happens,
0: it happens. It, it on, doesn't happen On Two and like a Half this. Men, uh, <laughs> Ashton Kutcher's character is pretty young and he was a billionaire.
2: Okay, it happens in this and in Two and a Half Men.
0: I think Mark Zuckerberg might have been...
2: Yeah, but he isn't hot and can't fly a helicopter.
0: He's he's hot to me. Probably. He's a billionaire. Well,
2: yeah. <laughs> okay, gold digger. Anyway, the point being, uh, she falls crazy. Uh, she feels crazy about him. He's actually the same way and slightly stalkerish, but also wants her to be his submissive to his dominant and get wants her to sign a contract agreeing what she will and will not do for him. Now, there are great scenes here, like when they actually negotiate the contract. It's genuinely funny. It's clever. It's a little bit sexy. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time... This isn't sexy. Most of the time, especially when they have their clothes off, it isn't sexy. Uh, and that's a bit of a problem. Isn't given it a that a
0: singular failure of a film that is built around the sex? I mean, everyone kind of is building up to it, so to speak, and going, what's the sex like?
2: Yeah, but I think people are being uh, snide about this in a way that they wouldn't about things around men. This is my... I think there's a, there's a tendency to be further down on this than we would be about equivalent things. And so I'm kind of a little bit, you know, when, we, when people in some reviews are reviewing the audience, well, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Um,
0: yeah, I've seen that a lot. People
2: are, you know, <clears throat> the sex scenes are working for a lot of that audience, I think. Um, they didn't particularly work for me. And I do think that they're they're crippled by the fact that if you show him really getting into the sort of the Sado side of BDSM, then it makes it very, very difficult for a cinema audience to to, to in any way feel for him or root for him. Mm-hmm. And I think they've dialed back on that to the extent where it becomes, well, what's the big deal about all of this? I don't see where, what, what all the fuss is about. The scenes where they're just having, you know, vanilla sex are probably a lot, you know, closer to sexy. So there are moments here that are really good and show something really special. I think Sam Taylor-Johnson should come out of this with her head held pretty high. And she will, obviously, because it's made huge amounts of money all around the world and avoided the worst of the backlash that she could have expected. I think Dakota Johnson will emerge from this unscathed Mm -hmm. so far, at least. We'll have to see how the the next two films that she signed up for go. And Jamie Dornan isn't terrible. He's just saddled with the worst bits, (laughs) the worst bits and the worst role. Uh, so it's about as good as we could have hoped but still the two star review that Ian gave it seems fair enough to me.
0: Two stars then for Fifty Shades of Grey which uh, I imagine most of you have already seen. Um, or never will. Or will never admit to seeing the same <laughs> way that you, you did with the book. Oh, I've never read that book. What? <laughs> uh, okay. We're huge fans of Michael Mann here at, at Empire uh, so the fact we've gone six years without a new film for the master of the modern thriller has left us feeling <laughs> a little Blue. Because he likes blue. (laughs) But he's back, back, back this week with Black Hat, uh, a prescient thriller in which Chris Hemsworth plays a hacker plunged into a world of international but damned good-looking intrigue. Um, Mostly he'll try and find out why the hell I just pronounce prescient, prescient. uh, But there you go. Uh, Hells Bells, I'm going to come to you once again on this one. Yeah.
2: So this one starts off with a cyber attack, basically devastating a Chinese nuclear plant. Uh, which is obviously a big problem. And the Chinese team up with the Americans to try and figure out what went wrong, because, of course, both countries understand this is a big problem, a big concern. And soon enough, there's also an attack on the U.S. uh, stock market. So it seems like they're right to to get together. Now, one of the Chinese sort of experts here used to go to college in the U.S., Mm -hmm. to MIT, in fact, where he was roommates with a hacker called Hathaway, played by Chris Hemsworth. He's now in prison, uh, but they get him out to help with this with this hack, which uses parts of a code that that pair made years before, ah. that's 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 where they kind of come in, and they basically go globetrotting to try and figure out what what happened, what went what went wrong, um, and who did it. Uh, essentially, so it, it's quite compelling for for stretches of this. I will say that they avoid a lot of the major hacker, you know, problems. They don't have people working on Macs, which very few hackers do, for example. Mm. Uh, they don't have you know all of those uh, you know loading screens, kind of bars going across as everybody just stares at this green bar, failing to progress. Um, but they still do a little bit of the sort of hackers esque, you know, shooting through the computer's architecture. Mm. like it's wires and you're a bit like dude but seriously. michael Mann's
0: a man for for whom you know fair is is king so you know he sent for example colin farrell on dummy smuggling sure. runs for miami fice and so i imagine that this is fairly uh, uh, true to actual hacking without wanting to strand an audience in a in a sea of jargon
2: yeah i think that's probably fair i think the the problems with it a little bit are um without wanting to get too into any spoilers it feels like, no. It feels like, despite having quite a, a lengthy running time, the characters are a little bit underdeveloped. Despite again, great cast. You've got people like Viola Davis in there. You've got big, big Chinese stars like uh, Tang Wei and um, Wong Lee Hong and, uh, and uh, then you know more, more American and, and international stars like Joan Ortiz. It's a really, really good cast, but they aren't really given very much to work with. Um, which is a little bit of a problem, and even you know, even Hemsworth's hacker. I wanted him to have a philosophy. I wanted him to have an outlook on life, and he really doesn't. And he's meant to be this super genius guy, so surely he should have something in his life beyond being incredibly violent and incredibly intelligent. And there's the only two things we're really given about him. He's a he's a he's a nice guy, but he has a horrendous temper and sometimes snaps. That's it, um, and that's a bit weird and. Again, I don't want to get into spoilers, but when you find out what's actually going on, it's a massive, massive letdown for me. Mm. A huge one. And after that, I thought that the the, the, the the adversarial relationship that you need in a film like this wasn't there. And the big f- sort of final confrontation, I find completely bafflingly staged. Mm. Uh, so it kind of lost me there at the end. But some really, really good things there along the way.
0: Okay, so it feels like uh, three stars uh, then for Black Hat. That's what we gave it. And, uh, okay, we don't have a lot of time left, sadly. uh, So we're going to race through the also out. Also out this week is Cake, in which Jennifer Aniston is surprisingly excellent, although she didn't get Oscar nominated, which I believe was the goal. We gave out three stars. It's a harrowing drama, and not your usual knockabout Jennifer Aniston comedy. Uh, Also, there's a noodle-baking Ethan Hawke time travel thriller from the Spearwick brothers' predestination, which we gave four stars. And that's out this week. Uh, there's also a, another less good time travel thriller project Almanac so it's, good, it's a good week for uh, time travel movies and that's it for this week's Empire Podcast join us next week for more formulated fun when we'll be joined by the wonderful Margot Robbie
2: Event Horizon Chris. Event Horizon
0: uh, until then it's goodbye from Helen goodbye it's goodbye from Phil goodbye and it's goodbye from me I'm off to clean off the bugs on Oscar Isaac's face not a sex thing because he's on my car Event Horizon see you next week